I'm Rachel and I'm obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist and natural fertility educator and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition and menstrual cycle health. We'll dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly Googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. Hello and thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I have another interview for you today. Today I'm chatting with Evelyn Kennedy from Enhanced Fertility Nutrition and we are talking all things gut health, nutrition and fertility. Evelyn is a university-educated nutritionist and well-being specialist with 10 years' experience specialising in fertility nutrition. Originally from Ireland, she's been in Australia for the last eight years and with a Master's in Human Nutrition and a background in health promotion and psychology, Evelyn prioritises integrity in her work. Her passion lies in helping couples who are struggling or trying to conceive to optimise their fertility through personalised nutrition and lifestyle plans. She continuously updates her knowledge Knowledge through additional education and training, staying informed about the latest research and techniques. Evelyn's mission is to empower clients with the tools and knowledge that they need to achieve their dreams of starting a family. And you can find more about her at enhancedfertilitynutrition.org or on Instagram at enhancedfertilitynutrition. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Evelyn, for a chat. I'm really excited to dive deep into nutrition, gut health and fertility with you. Hi, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. So let's dive in. I was telling you just before um, we hit record that I am super interested in gut health and the gut microbiome. I'm celiac and that's how I sort of started learning about nutrition and gut health and all of that sort of realm. And I know virtually nothing compared to what I'm sure you can bring to the table. So I'm very excited to pick your brain on this topic. So can we start with you, of course, sharing a little bit about who you are, what you do, and most importantly, why you do it? Sure. Um, so Evelyn Kennedy and I have been working in wellbeing and nutrition for 10 years. Um, I have a background in health promotion, master's in nutrition, and I've studied some psychology. Um, really got interested in fertility in the last couple of years. Um, I have uh, another business that I have clients and I had quite a few female clients talk about um, how they've struggled with fertility. And then I also had a lot of close friends who also had struggled with fertility issues as well. And I kind of thought to myself, do I know enough about that area? And then I started learning more and got really interested because, you know, it's, it's a really interesting area. Um, and then I actually went back and uh, studied to different advanced courses in fertility nutrition. Um, and I suppose like my interest areas are that connection between fertility and the gut. Um, and also interested around the PCOS connection to fertility. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's kind of where my interest has stemmed from. Um, and yeah, just continue to learn more and more because the, the area is so emerging at the moment. Um, so yeah. Awesome. So straight to the hard hitting question. <laughs> why, why is that specifically preconception nutrition? So what we're eating obviously in the lead up to pregnancy and preparing to conceive, why is preconception nutrition so important? And how does this relate to our gut health and fertility? So why is our gut health so important in the lead up to pregnancy as well? Sure. Um, so I'll probably start with just more generalized. So um, I'm not sure if you've heard of the first thousand days. Um, so even if we take away our own um, side of things, if you, are if you are pregnant, the first thousand days um, for that child 
the nutrition they receive actually affects them for the rest of their life. Um, so there's been some research around um, the effects. So in 1944, in um, there was the Dutch famine, and they actually did some research on uh, some of the women who were pregnant at that time. So they actually followed their offspring for years afterwards. Um, so the Dutch famine, just to give you some context, uh, basically was where there was a famine for nine months. Um, and basically the research showed that um, the effects on the offspring were things like diabetes, um, cardiovascular risk, um, that they would uh, die earlier in life, um, and, and lots of other effects like that. So um, that, that relates back to the first 1,000 days. So that's the first 1,000 days of a child's life where they receive nutrition from obviously what we eat as we're pregnant, but also um, their first two to three years of life. And now also that research does include uh, preconception, um, which is obviously what we eat um, affects our eggs and sperm health. Um, and obviously, as you've outlined in the podcast a few times, obviously before that three-month period specifically, when our eggs are maturing and also our sperm is maturing, um, that's really, really important um, for our the, the health, basically, of our child. Okay. And I'm going to throw you off now with a, <laughs> another question that's just occurred to me. So I always bang on about preconception nutrition because there are a lot of women, myself included, who in the first couple of months of pregnancy are unwell and have a lot of food aversions and can't eat a lot. So how does that affect this 1,000 day and when there's that window of time where you are feeling rubbish and you can't eat anything but, say, toast and you're feeling a little bit guilty because you can't eat all the things that you want to eat at the same time. So was there any research into that in, um, I suppose, not during the famine time because they weren't getting the nutrition anyway? And it's so hard to do research on pregnant women because there's so much ethics involved. Yes, 100%. But yeah. So what, what, what are your thoughts on that? So really the thing with preconception nutrition, so if, if like, and obviously if you're pregnant and you can only really eat a few things, then it is good that you're eating. Like 100% is good that you can eat anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I would never <laughs> say that there's an issue there. But the real thing that we need to focus then on is the preconception period. So where you build up your stores around your iron, you build up like your gut to be able to withstand that. Um, so like having those stores of your adequate vitamins and minerals will get you through that period. And not just for the child, but also after you give birth, you don't want to be massively depleted because that can actually lead, if you decide you want to have a second child, it can delay, delay um, getting pregnant again through like secondary infertility. Um, and also just being able to recover after being pregnant as well. So um, the preconception period is just so, so important um, for so many different aspects and also like around that gut, gut health side, side of things. Mm -hmm. Like you really want to be um, nourishing your gut um, microflora as much as possible because that directly links to time to conception as well. Okay, so how does the gut microbiome influence our fertility and our reproductive health? So are there specific ways that it might impact your menstrual cycle or your hormone balance that then ultimately impacts conception? Yes, 100%. So um, it, it affects lots of different areas. So one thing in particular, your gut actually creates your serotonin. Um, so that can have an effect obviously on your mental health as well. So that can obviously make you feel crap <laughs> if, if you're not um, nursing that, you know, part of your body. So that can have a exterior, I suppose, effect. 
But then if we look at our gut in general, it actually um, metabolizes, ma- sorry, metabolizes um, your estrogen levels, your progesterone. So um, they're the main things that are involved in your fertility. Um, so they, it also um, regulates your hormone levels. Um, so it has like a massive influence on your like every aspect of your fertility. It's so interesting, isn't it? And it's not something we are taught at all. No. About looking after this stuff and, yeah, how the food you eat affects your mood. Like it makes so much sense when 100%. you talk about the serotonin production. But. And I suppose to add to that, so like your gut has a brain axis. So it's, your gut talks to your brain 80 to 90% of the time. So like a lot of the a lot of people know about the gut brain axis but they don't actually know that the most of um what's happening is that your gut is talking to your brain rather than your brain. Mm-hmm. Like obviously they work together but your gut is all the time sending signals to your brain. So obviously if you're not eating adequately having like enough uh fiber uh, good fats, that kind of thing, um, then there's going to be that your gut is telling your brain there's something wrong. <laughs> there's something going on. Yeah. Well, you just touched on fibres and good fats. So are there particular particular nutrients or dietary factors that you would consider really essential for optimising our fertility and our reproductive function? 100%. Um, so the big thing with fertility is looking at a whole food approach Um, So we can't obviously say one or two vitamins and minerals will, you know, uh, be the most important. But um, obviously there is some important vitamins and minerals that um, we we do need to look at. But first of all, a whole food approach will make sure that we have a balanced diet. Um, So looking at that Mediterranean style, um, so Mediterranean principles um, and that would be an anti-inflammatory approach. Um, But then I suppose some of the main things that we need to include are like your um, folate, your omega-3. So looking at like um, different vitamins and minerals from like uh, an individualized approach is really, really important. So when I work with clients, I usually would ask them to get a um, blood tests done so I can look exactly at what deficiencies they may have. Um, and, and that's a really good approach um, to make sure that we have that whole food approach to fertility as well. Um, but things like fiber are so important. Having enough protein in our diet is really, really important. And um, our healthy fats as well. Yes, and fats are not the enemy. It's such no. a it's such a old school way of thinking, isn't it? That fats are bad, but and it, yeah, and I think we go through phases because I think carbohydrates are getting a bit of a bad rep as well. <laughs> I think <laughs> so. Yeah, fats are good, but we just need to stick to the good fats, and uh, carbohydrates are good. So, yeah, I think. We, we should be looking at a whole food approach and yes. not really restricting any areas unless, you know, like you said, you have um, celiac. Um, so obviously then we just need to look at the carbohydrates that we add in that area. Yeah, exactly. And it's not eliminating them completely. It's, yeah. Again, that whole foods, but you just substitute gluten-free carbohydrates. Exactly. And making sure you're still getting what you need from that. Yeah, yeah. You touched on the Mediterranean diet and how this is an anti-inflammatory approach to um, to eating and to our nutrition. And we know that you know there are conditions like endometriosis, PCOS, things like that that have that in- inflammatory component that then contributes to reproductive issues. So can you talk a little bit about inflammation and how that can affect our you know, ovulation, uh, reproduction, fertility, all that sort of thing, and how we can then use nutrition, use this whole food approach to potentially reduce our inflammation and reduce the symptoms to then support our reproduction. 
Sure. Um, so I suppose the first thing to mention is inflammation. Like that is probably one of the, the drivers of infertility. Um, when we look at um, epigenetics, that is basically gene expression without like changing the DNA sequence. So how that relates to fertility is basically how we've turned on genes and how we've turned off genes. Mm -hmm. And when we have things like inflammation, they can actually turn off certain genes. So that can be affecting our hormones, how we create them. It can be affecting like our menstrual cycle, if we ovulate or if we don't ovulate. Um, So a lot of that can be due to lifestyle factors. So poor diet, which is usually that inflammation, um, where inflammation comes into it, um, or, you know, it can be other lifestyle factors that we'll probably talk about later. Um, But in general, that inflammation um, really affects our fertility in in that way, I suppose. Okay. And are there, like you you talked about not eliminating so obviously if you're say celiac you want to eliminate gluten yeah is there is there any benefit to someone who might be potentially struggling to conceive and saying I'm going to cut out gluten I'm going to cut out dairy is there any benefit to this if you don't actually have (laughs) no not at all and actually that's what a lot of the time we can find to be an issue because that person Mm -hmm. may potentially be deficient in lots of vitamins and minerals um in particular like your dairy that that there's a lot of research actually to show now that your full fat dairy is actually a really positive for your fertility Mm -hmm. um and the same with your gluten-free you really shouldn't be using gluten-free from a fertility point of view, unless, you know, you are a celiac. So um, because of that whole, um, that you will be missing vitamins and minerals in your diet. And even if we look at um, the fact that a lot of our, you know, breads and that are fortified with folate, our gluten-free breads actually most of them would not be fortified with folate. So that's also another really important vitamin. And yeah, <laughs> it's a really important vitamin that, um, you know, we need to get in our diet as well. Yeah. But yeah, so not restrictive. We really don't want to be restricting. We actually as well around um, fertility, um, even like losing weight can be beneficial, but you want to do that before you start trying to conceive because we really don't want to be restricting any part of the diet. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what about individuals who do need to follow this specialised diet? So whether or not it's gluten-free or things like vegetarian or vegan. So what sort of things do you need to consider if you're working with someone who has a specific reason to, I guess, eliminate a food group? so in those cases we always like so I personally would always do like an analysis of someone's diet so I can and also those blood tests that I was talking about because that really gives me a clear picture um and you know I can definitely see if there's any deficiencies there um we can also supplement so supplements are really beneficial but you still need a whole food approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can look at supplementation. So obviously some of the vitamins and minerals that might be affected by, let's say, if someone was vegan or, um, you know, vegetarian or, you know, have different things. Um, so you might have lower, like, omega-3. Um, you can supplement that for, like, non non fish or animal sources um other things like iron can sometimes be really low um so you can also supplement that um and then your b12 um which can be one that happens a lot with um vegans um so 
we can supplement that as well through um, supplementation. But um, with the other ones, we obviously want to try and get the, um, a whole food approach still. So um, looking at the um, proteins that we have in our diet and making sure that it's whole protein. Um yeah, so we can definitely work around those. Um, and I think there's lots of people who are following different diets at the moment for different reasons. But, you know, if, if it is the approach that you're taking to try and um, increase your fertility, then it may not always be the, the best approach. Um, everything, you know, that um, we implement is evidence-based. Um, so, you know, around um, like the dairy and the... Um, you know carbohydrates and that kind of thing Um, they've all been backed by science and that's the danger with things like social media isn't it like you get these influencers who are sharing what works for them and their own Mm -hmm. experience and there's no evidence behind it no no qualifications a lot of the time and people follow it and it can just lead to so much more harm than good 100% I mean I follow lots of different accounts like fertility nutrition accounts and like the information is so contradictive and I'm just like oh no because it just creates to that overwhelm that you know I see with clients because they come to me and they're like I've tried this I've tried this I've tried this I've tried this but like have you actually just tried a whole food approach giving yourself enough time to implement that so that at least three months and to get to give enough time for that to actually um you know affect your egg health and have you looked at things like your partner's health as well because sometimes we really do get caught in the trap of you know the women the woman always takes the responsibility but sometimes it can actually be the man and you know infertility is equally shared between men and women so um you know making sure that you are looking at all aspects and evidence-based yes and it is so often the case isn't it that male fertility is completely overlooked and women are doing everything yes yeah and a lot of the time the male partner is you know living the life they've always lived and eating the things they've always eaten and not not really going into the equation when you think about the fact that you know a baby is 50 50 yes it's incredible that's there's so much pressure on women to do everything right and yeah is so important yes yes definitely I mean it takes nearly as long for their sperm to um, mature as it does for egg health so really they should be following along the journey with you including the same kind of foods, the Mediterranean-style diet, anti-inflammatory. They potentially shouldn't be drinking (laughs) because actually there is some research now around the offspring of um, males, basically, that had drank through that preconception period. And it has been linked to anxiety levels in the, the child. So... Um, and there's a lot more research coming in that area as well. So, you know, when you think about it, it's the, the makeup of your unborn child. So, yeah. Interesting. And like in Australia, we've only sort of recently had these ads in the last 12 months on TV of, you know, once you start trying, you should stop drinking, but it's all targeted at the woman, the man sitting there drinking his beer and it's the woman saying, oh no, no wine for me. Um, we're trying. But it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's just all targeted at women. Oh, 100%. But, yeah, it's yeah, it's a grown area, so hopefully it'll be recognised a bit more. Yeah, hopefully. So alcohol consumption we've talked about. Yeah. What are some of these other major lifestyle factors that couples, especially women, are going through or, you know, is part of their lifestyle. So stress is a huge one. And caffeine is the other one I'm always asked about. What is safe caffeine intake for preconception and then, yeah, just for ultimately for your fertility? So people are not going to like me for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, coffee has actually been linked to increased, so doubling your risk of miscarriage um, if you go over 200 milligrams. So that's probably about, depends on how strong you like your coffee and that kind of thing, but it's probably two or more um, caffeinated beverages. Um, but you also need to take into account things like chocolate consumption, mm. tea consumption. So there's caffeine in a lot of different things that we don't actually really probably link it to. Yeah. Um, and it does um, delay time to conception as well. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it, it probably isn't the best thing to have in your diet if you are trying to conceive and if you are struggling to conceive. I would probably say if you can either limit it or cut it out, it probably is the best. Um, but definitely sticking within that 200 milligrams. And then stress is really, really a big one because that actually does affect your gut as well. Um, so it can affect like your production of estrogen and progesterone as well. So they're massively important for you know, conceiving. Um, and yeah, it, it can just affect your whole life and, and time to conceive anyway, because, you know, if you're, you know, trying to nurture a child, obviously when you're getting pregnant, you, your body knows like that you're stressed and it probably isn't the best environment to have, um, you know, a child grown in. So, um, trying to work on like stress techniques that you can um, in, incorporate is probably a, a good thing that you can do as well. Like, so some things like, obviously, if you can eliminate that stress in the first instance, that's really important, but then also having like breeding techniques and um, like other self-care type um, initiatives that you can put into your life that that's really important as well. Yeah. And so many people are in like a state of just chronic stress that they don't even realize that they're stressed because that's just their new normal. Um, so it is, it's interesting. Like, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be practicing these things when you are already stressed. You should have these things in yes. your toolkit and do them on a consistent basis so that you're not getting to the point where you're, I need to sit down and do some deep breaths because yes. I'm, you know, about to blow my lid. It's that consistency. Yes, yeah. 100%. And like, that's the thing, like that stress is creating inflammation in your body as well. And that takes time for your body to recover from. So like the sooner you start like taking steps to, you know, alleviate that stress. So whether that be like incorporating, like, as I said, eliminate or incorporating like your exercise and stuff like that, that can also help as well. So yeah, but it does take a bit of time for your body to recover from stress as well. So and it's such a vicious cycle because so many women who are struggling to conceive are stressed about yes. it and it can become such a source of anxiety. Yes. And, yeah, again, having those management tools at your yeah. fingertips yeah. Yeah. to be able to keep that under control can help. So it's helping manage the stress and it's potentially helping to manage with the fertility issues as, too, as well. 100%. So can you share, Evelyn, some, any sort of tips or strategies for people listening who are, you know, thinking maybe their gut health isn't the best it could be? Um, how can they potentially improve their fertility through nutrition? I know you've already shared a lot of different ideas, but what, what sort of things could someone listening implement today? So 100%, I would say I always advise if you've tried a couple of things and then nothing seems to be working, I would try and get a professional, mm -hmm. um, whether that be, you know, a doctor, a nutritionist, whoever. Um, I would get your bloods done. I would look at any deficiencies in those areas. Um, what, the best thing about having like a professional on your side is they can basically give you a pathway to, this is what you need to focus on. They can give you the support. So that's really important. Um, so that would probably be my first thing. Um, then also looking at like environmental factors. Um, so things like uh, pesticides on your foods, 
Um, if you look up the dirty dozen, you'll see what the the main twelve terrifying. Yeah, it is um, because you know some people are like, "Oh, I'm eating so healthy," but it's been sprayed with lots of pesticides. So, with those twelve, um, I would probably say if you can go organic, just for those twelve, that's really important. Um, Obviously, though, having like self-care as well for yourself, because sometimes trying to conceive does take some time, like what is potentially normal is 12 months, you know. So um, just, you know, having that self-care is really important. You can look at things like supplements, like I've said. So things like CoQ10 can be um, beneficial because that is an anti-inflammatory Omega-3 is just so good for everything, Um, really good for your hormones, Um, like just amazing. Um, So I definitely would implement that. Um, Yeah, and, and, and just trying to stick to like that whole food approach, but like when I say that you, ha- you stick to the whole food approach, like don't beat yourself up if you go out and actually enjoy like a night out because that can be nearly more negative if you, you know, feel like you're restricting yourself all of the time. So, um, yeah, just trying to stick to the, the diet as much as possible is is really good as well, yeah. Okay, so you talked about a couple of supplements that can support you through yep. that um what do we need to think about before incorporating supplements because as you've talked about it's all about the whole food a tablet one tablet does not reverse a bad diet but what sort of what sort of supplements are your go-tos if there's any others that you haven't already talked about and what do we need to think about before we start taking a supplement sure um so Obviously, I've talked about CoQ10, so that's Mm -hmm. one that has a lot of research behind it. Um, That can be really beneficial, um, but it actually does take quite some time to start working effectively. So a lot of the research shows six months to 12 months to kind of have a beneficial effect. And that is an anti-inflammatory. So that is, you know, um, it, it helps with the inflammation. It is definitely not a magic pill because I see these kind of posts, you know, asking um, around what people can take, but it's not a magic pill and it will only work in combination with an actual whole food diet. So where we have an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, Other things then you can look at taking is your prenatal. Um, Prenatals are really good and they definitely have a place, but um there is definitely some vitamins and minerals missing from prenatals so you just need to be wary of that Um, one in particular is choline which is really really important um need to also look at your folate um really important uh nutrient um and this um helps with homocysteine uh levels um and this can actually so One thing you need to look out for with the folate, um, especially if you have been trying to conceive for some time, is the MTHFR gene. And so this is where some of the population aren't actually able to um, uptake folic acid, which is the synthetic version of folate. And a lot of our multivitamins actually have folic acid. Um, So folate um, is the more readily available version for us so you can either get that through like your green leafy veg um and like through that whole food approach or you can essentially add activated folate but there's no real benefit to um adding activated folate unless you actually do have that mthfr gene so normal folic acid is fine for most people But um, that is something to kind of look into if you have been trying to conceive for some time. Um, And then um, there's other other things like your protein, and that is really important. And you obviously can't, you shouldn't really supplement that um, through 
um, powders and stuff because they do have some chemicals and stuff in there. So you're better off getting that from your whole foods. Um, with the Medi- Mediterranean style diet, um, you want to limit obviously your processed um, meats and and that kind of thing. Although they do have protein, actually there was some some studies done recently where people replaced their red meat by twenty five percent of plant based um, proteins, and that actually um, increased their fertility. So. Um, that can be a really good um, thing to look at doing as well. Interesting, because we're always told we need meat for the iron and, you know, everything else, but how interesting that it is. It's definitely a good thing to have because it does have, like, lots of vitamins and minerals. It's probably more, though, that we consume a lot of it. We live uh, far too yeah, much, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, so... Um, you know, if you can replace like some of it with things like lentils um, and other high proteins, that 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 can actually be really um, beneficial. Okay. So how many? How many? Say, if we, you know, traditionally ate our red meat and vegetables for dinner, yeah. how many nights a week, for example, or how many times a week would you be saying have your meat, and how many times you'd be saying choose a more plant based option? Even if you can just implement like plant-based one day a week, like that is actually much better. Like if you can do like maybe even one, two days a week, that would be a good option. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a huge dramatic shift. Is no, it? it's just not at all. One meal, consider switching out one meal. And if you do eat things like processed meats, like a lot of salami and that kind of thing, it's best to kind of keep that to a minimal because um, that has definitely been linked with poor sperm quality and it can um, like it can affect your gut health as well. Okay. You mentioned when you were introducing what you were doing that you're very interested in PCOS. Yes. Um, talk me through. This is a whole yes. other podcast episode on its own. But can you talk me through these overall, you know, health and these chronic conditions like PCOS that affect, like obviously affect our reproductive system, but affect so much more than just that? Yeah. How, like, how do they impact our fertility? But then how can we use nutrition? How can we support our gut health to actually manage these conditions? Because diet is such a huge part of sure. PCOS management. So PCOS affects currently affects one in 10 women. So that's massive. And so it's one of the issues that definitely affects fertility um, a lot of the time. Um, so I think they, the research says 80 to 90% of women that have PCOS um, can struggle with fertility because they do not ovulate regularly. Um, so that can be a massive issue around PCOS. Um, PCOS basically is an endocrine disorder um, and where it has an increased level of insulin. So um, the insulin, like less insulin sensitivity can lead then to things like our hormones not working effectively which then in turn can lead to um, an ovulation, so where you don't ovulate. Um, so that can, can be a massive effect um, and then create um, inflammation as well within the body. So you have like a couple of different things that are um, going against your fertility. Um, so some of the things that we would imp- implement in this area is Obviously, diet, again, is a massive thing, a massive um, benefit if you can implement an anti-inflammatory diet. Actually, um, they did some research recently where they did a, there was a few studies, sorry, I read. One was eight, eight weeks and one was 12 weeks. Um, and they massively decreased their inflammation markers, which then obviously increases your fertility and so it actually increased their fertility by 69%. So um, basically what was shown from that research was that 
69% of them, the ladies who wouldn't have um, ovulated before actually did start ovulating. Um, so that can show like a massive benefit. Um, I mean, only eight PTOS. to 12 weeks. Yes. Eight Incredible. to 12 weeks. Yeah. So it's That's not long. Yes, exactly. So I know people get really frustrated in, in the area of um, like PCOS and fertility because again, we're being told so many things. You can't eat carbohydrates. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. And like the PCOS diet becomes so restrictive, mm. but that's actually not true. Like a lot of that advice is really, really not good advice. Um, you really need to go to go to someone who is trained in PCOS, who actually understands what the research is saying around that. Um, so yeah, diet can be a massive benefit for PCOS and endometriosis. Okay, so what about endometriosis? Is there anything differently that you're doing? Like obviously it's a completely different condition. Is there anything that you're looking at in terms of diet with endometriosis specifically like we do with our insulin resistance and PCOS? Um, it is an anti-inflammatory approach as well. Sometimes mm -hmm. with endometriosis it can take longer to um, – you know, making an effect because we're dealing with a lot of inflammation um, with endometriosis. Whereas with PCOS, a lot of the time it's more around um, like your your cycle, getting your period and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, endometriosis, there can be lots of different um, contributors. So sometimes it can take a little bit longer and, and more investigation around um, different uh, issues that could be affecting their fertility. Mm -hmm. And there's actually really interesting research now around the gut microflora or microbiome um, for people with PCOS or endometriosis to show that they actually have like a less diverse microbiome than your general population. So that's definitely an area that we can definitely focus on because there is a lot more research now showing that the, there is a link between the gut and fertility. So this is potentially somewhere that we can work um, specifically with PCOS and endometriosis clients. Hmm. And did the research say anything about like, it's like which one comes first like has this different microbiome potentially contributed to these conditions or is it a more causative effect that these conditions have then contributed well we don't know <laughs> so because it's a very very new area within research there's definitely so much more that needs to be done in this area but even making that link in the first instance definitely gives us a lot more information and then there is also like the vaginal biome um, that has been linked as well to fertility um, and, you know, can be linked to longer time to conception, um, those kind of things. So it's, yeah, the, the whole area is really, really fascinating at the moment. And we know so little, don't yes. we? Like we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. So it's so interesting to watch this space and see what comes next. Well, you know, what they're saying now is that we have more bacteria in our gut than we have cells in our body. That's insane. Yes. <laughs> I guess it's leading off what we've just talked about, but it also touches on what we were talking about earlier in terms of social media and all of the, all of the conflicting advice that is out there and... Mm. It overwhelms people. They don't know what to do because this person is telling them this, this person is telling them this, and a lot of the time, you know, if you're not using the most recent evidence, you're, you're mm. not getting the help you actually need. Yeah. So what are some of these mis misconceptions and myths about fertility and nutrition, I guess specifically, that you frequently come across with your clients? And what advice do you have for people who are trying to differentiate between what is evidence-based and what is BS? Yes. Um, so I would probably start off by saying, if it sounds too good to be true, then it's <laughs> potentially too good to be true. Proper changes take some time. So like 
not massive amounts of time, like, but, you know, even with what I've said around the PCOS, like eight to 12 weeks, but around like egg quality and egg health, it can take three months to make any difference or the same with like your sperm quality. Also, there's this, you know, conception that like taking a couple of supplements that aren't individualized based on your bloods and stuff are going to make a difference. But a lot of the time that is just a waste of money because you really need to look at what your deficiencies are. You need to look at like what you need to add to your diet specifically. Um, so a lot of the time people spend so much time and money on getting supplements, mm-hmm. whereas they would be much better off if they just went to see someone who could actually tell them this is what you need to do. Um, one that I get a bit is the pineapple one. <laughs> Will a pineapple, you know, help? Um, so the pineapple is really good in your diet. There's no issues there. I definitely say eat it. But where that stems from is there's um, in the core, there's bromelain, um, which is a vitamin that actually is. Um, there is some research to show that that. Um, can be beneficial towards fertility but the amount of um pineapple core that you would have to eat (laughs) to benefit from that would be extreme but I definitely say still keeping in your diet it's a good thing to have but like you can definitely get um it from other sources as well um and you know some of the evidence-based data like around the supplementations um side of things like they put extreme amounts in of certain supplements. So, you know, you kind of have to be knowledgeable around that as well, rather than just taking random supplements. Um, So like, for example, like your CoQ10, like you need to take quite large amounts of that, but that should be based on an individual level. So like, no person should go out and buy like CoQ10 and start taking massive amounts that should be done like on a like a professional telling you how much to take as well um there's probably some of the major ones that I've I've come across yeah and it's a slippery slope with supplements in particular isn't it because like it's great that they're just readily available on the supermarket shelf but Oh, my husband does this. He just like randomly buys things like it's winter and he decides he needs vitamin D supplements and he walks the dog every day in shorts. I'm like you're probably getting some vitamin D, but oh no, I've got to take it because it's winter. He drives me crazy, but I know he's not the only one. It's people just deciding things and then going and getting these supplements and especially when it comes yeah. to your fertility, just work with someone, find out what you need, yes. go and get a blood test. Yeah, supplement where you need to, and one hundred percent. Don't just don't yeah. just randomly start doing it for yourself. Yeah, but people are impatient as well. Like oh, we talk yeah. about this three month window of mm. um, preconception, but if you've already been trying to conceive for you know six months, a year, or more, three months is a long time to add on, and I completely get that. But yeah, you've got to you've got to give time to get results, don't you? You can't just 100. take take something or make a change and expect that you know when your period comes next week, everything's fixed. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. process. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, what what resources and tools do you recommend? I want I want your answers for these as well because I want to go and learn more about <laughs> gut health and nutrition specifically. But what what um, resources do you recommend for someone who wants to go out and learn more about this area of nutrition? Sure. Um, so, as I said, I think like always going to a professional who knows the area. Um, that's always a really good one. So, like you'll get an individualized approach with them. They'll be able to tell you exactly what foods and everything else to add to your diet, looking at your bloods, everything else. Um, So I always think that's probably the best resource because then they can also give you resources that are specific to you. I suppose if it's more like around the education and you just want to educate yourself a bit more about gut health and that, um, there is 
some really good resources which I'll actually send through to you that you can if you want you can add them to show yeah, notes or whatever show notes. Um, Thank you. I also find that educating yourself just in this the principles of like food labeling is really important because yes. so many so many um, organizations make food health claims now which if you actually looked at the food label, you'd be like, yeah, that's really not true. <laughs> so um, I always, I, I actually really like the Live Lighter wallet card. And it just gives you like a little breakdown of like how much fiber you should have per serving, how much um, like all the different elements that you should look out for on the food panel. Um, so I always find like that's really beneficial just to educate, educate yourself because even after you get pregnant, hopefully, and, and that kind of thing, it's really important to be educated around the food that you're eating and consuming every day as well anyway. Um, and especially as well, if you want to educate your children on that as well. So it's, yes. it's really important. That is a very like <laughs> trigger topic with me because I am very like I won't feed my daughter stuff from a packet because, you know, more often than not it's the name of the brand is organic something. Mm. It's not organic. And mm. I very much subscribe to the thought that if it comes in a packet, it's probably not healthy. And, yeah, it's a, it's a real gripe of mine and I have a lot of conversations with people who are, oh, but it's healthy, it's sugar-free, oh, but it's this, oh, but it's this. But it comes in a packet and it's highly processed. Mm. So, <laughs> um, it, yeah, I think these cards are really interesting. That One of the cards so that you could actually decipher, you're not looking at the big sticker on the front that says it's this, it's oh, this, yeah. this, to be able to actually look yeah. at the label at the back and understand what you're reading is hugely mm. beneficial especially yeah as I said like that first 1,000 days it's yeah really beneficial yep oh there you go so where can people go if they want to connect with you learn learn more about what you're doing Evelyn sure um so you can either follow me on Instagram um and that's at enhanced fertility nutrition um, or you can go onto my website and that's at www.enhancedfertilitynutrition.org. Um, and I'm always very happy to answer any questions. If you follow me on Instagram, I put up like little tips around different, um, tips around nutrition. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I have learned so much and I can't wait to go into these resources and things that you you share as well and learn even more about gut health. Thank you so much for your time and for your knowledge. I've loved having you on. Thank you so much. It's been great. If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Fertility Co podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Fertility Co, slide on into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit fertilityco.com.au forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time.